Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming on deck, we got Mr. Basketball, Marvin Orange. Uh, played basketball here in South Carolina in, in the Columbia area and then uh, went to Alabama for Stella career. Um, in our conversation, we talked about the recruiting wars, um, packaging your rice. We talked about the value of rice compared to players and how to package that, how to be recruited, how to get into the right situation. Life after basketball. It's a lot of good points that we talked about. So tune in. Hope you enjoy. Let's get to the interview. What's happening, man? What's going on with you? Man, I can't call it, man. <laughs> Same old, same old, different day, dog. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. What's going on? Ain't nothing, man. Just trying to, trying to put this good information in the earth. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about. You know, I just, you know, with um, my foundation, man, I just try to like be that soundboard. You know, be that that uh that wealth of knowledge that communities and and families can go and get it because you know we didn't we didn't have that. I don't know about you, but I didn't I didn't have that. So, nah. I think the more time we can you know, talk to people and get, hear their stories. Um, we can kind of, you know, kind of help set that path for the upcoming kids, you know, and, you know, yeah. behind us, man. I, I agree. It's important. And, you know, when you look back on stuff, there's always things that you wish you would have done differently. For sure. Um, especially if you would have had, you know, you would have known then what you know now, you definitely exactly. would have done things differently. So I do think it's a, you know, from guys like ourselves who've kind of been there and done it, it's important that we pass along not only things that we did well, but a lot of the mistakes exactly. that we made along the way, because exactly. I think you can learn more from the mistakes than you can, you know, from all the successes that a lot of us have had. Cause I've been looking at all the guys you've been talking to and, you know, a lot of great guys hiding them, them, them COC teams, man, you know, <laughs> they, they used to go at it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, it. I'm looking forward to you know, talking and, you know, I'm 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 pretty candid about about most stuff. So for sure, um, you know, let's chop it up and put something <clears> out there. Man. We get right into it. This is a triple threat podcast with your male president. Was good news and good vibes all the time, baby. We're here with uh Mr. Basketball Marvin Orange. You know, and like I tell that story all the time, man. Like, you know, coming in high school, you know, you get, you get the sports report. Yeah, remember, people don't remember the sports report. Remember the paper? So I remember. See the, open that paper, man, and you will see them black and white pictures, you know, yep. reading up on. And then the thing about it is that they had it to where if they had a article, they had the the, the, the athlete's name in bold. Yep, so, they had it in you know, bold. You didn't need to read anything. You're looking for your name. Once you find your name, then I started reading from that. But yep. I always saw you guys, man, like, you know, just, just, just doing big things. So I appreciate that because, you know, like, before the internet and all that, like, we looked up to the guys that was given that was ahead of us. Yeah, I was getting that type of props and going to yeah. Alabama, coming from 
you know, Columbia and just, you know, and that was, that was awesome, bro. So like, you know, it's, yeah. it's an honor to talk to you to finally, finally meet you. And, uh, that's one that want to say, appreciate your time. Man, likewise, you know, and, and people don't remember that the sports report and we will have to go to the newsstand and get it. And you'll be trying to find out if you made it, you know, back exactly. when I was coming out, everybody that, you know, J kid, all in cats was always, you know, they was always on it. When I finally started seeing myself in it, I was like, okay, I, right. you know, I might be doing something. Right. But, right. But you know, I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember five star basketball camp or sure. Finkel back in the day. Five sure. star put me on the map because gotcha. um, I went there and, you know, you had guys like, Stackhouse and Michael Lloyd and Greg Simpson. And, hey, and, oh, time out, time out, time out, time out. We're going to get into that because I played okay, a Michael okay. Lloyd. All right. I played a Michael Lloyd in the U.S. Yeah, I talk about a monster, but yeah, let's get into mm. that. It's going to be good. Mm. So, you know, like we come out as, as legits, man. You know, the topics we're going to talk about, like parks and recreation, because that's when we first really yeah. get the. Uh, the, the, the notoriety to get the, the looks and we started, you know, hearing things about ourselves. Talk about elementary as a park rivals when you started going into parks and when 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 you started really kind of like loving the game a little bit. Well, it's interesting because I don't know if you know this. I'm I'm originally from Detroit. See, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, I'm originally from Detroit and I moved to South Carolina from Pennsylvania when I was 15. Oh. Um, and and basketball was not my favorite sport. And most people would tell you I was a better baseball player than I was basketball. Mm. But, but I moved to South Carolina, and I ended up making varsity at Irmo my, my, fresh, my sophomore year. I was playing baseball. I was playing varsity baseball as a ninth grader. Wow. So um, we ended up making the state championship game my sophomore year, and then my love for basketball just kind of grew from there. But – the number one park was Friars Gate Park. I don't know if people don't know about Friars Gate back in, in, in Columbia back in the day. And there was a guy named John Brown who you could go there any time of day or night. He would open the gym for you whenever you needed it and just work wow. on your game or just hang out with your, with your friends in a safe space and, and, you know, be in a place where you have people that really loved and cared about your future. Um, so Friars Gate Park really molded me with Seven Oaks and, you know, Seven BJ, Oaks. yeah, Seven Oaks and BJ Mackey and Mark Himes and all those guys. We could tell you about Seven Oaks and Friars Gate, but back in the nineties, you know, early nineties, you know, recreation parks is where you proved yourself That's because true. we, we will go around the city, you know, Friars Gate and stuff was our area, but then we would go over to Meadow Lakes, you know, Greenview, um, where, where Eau Claire guys and Keenan guys was playing. And that's where you really made your rep because if you could ball against the Eau Claire guys, you could play against anybody. For sure. So for sure. that's when I started really getting the love for it because, you know, you know, guys like Busby and, and, and Greg James, you may not remember Greg James from Eau Claire, but James, yeah. yeah, some of those guys, you know, they really started laying the foundation for Columbia basketball. You know, there was guys before that, but right. you know, that's what really got me interested in going around the city. And we just started balling out, man. And, I just, you know, basketball just became a passion and a love for me. So that's how it really started. For sure. The, so then yeah. the love came, and then um, you said you play, you play varsity in, in, in ninth grade? Yeah, I played varsity baseball in the ninth grade. So yeah, what, not so, basketball. Okay, basketball. So when did, when did you hit the basketball ranks? When did that start coming about? Like, I, made, I, I heard a couple of stories. I think it was something on the tab where uh, BJ, you and BJ 
kind of kind of got into it as a as yes a, so talk about that so you know I, I made varsity 10th grade in basketball we went to the state championship that year and we lost to that Eau Claire team that had Busby and Dee Hook and Derek Carroll and and oh, it was a squad. It was uh, Terry Baker. Uh, you know, they they had a squad, man. But we only lost by six points. And then that's when I started getting a lot of notoriety because I, you know, I scored in double digits against them. And you know, back in the day, Irma, we was you know all white guys and one black kid, which was me. And we 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 held up with Eau Claire. So that summer, my love for basketball just grew. You right. know, uh, yeah. because I was just getting so much notoriety, but. But, you know, when I became a senior in high school, just to fast forward with BJ a little bit, um, you know, BJ was coming up through the ranks. Right. And uh, I told everybody when I left high school that he was going to be the best that ever came through Irmo because he had, you know, when you got young cats and you can see them, he just had something in him that was different. He wasn't scared of nothing. He was trying to learn every day. But he was coming – I mean, you know, I was the best senior player of the year coming up, all that. And he was coming at me like he had something to prove. And I was like, sure. he's a nice Which he should. Right? Which he should. Which he should. Which he should. Which he should. So, yeah, that's the – you know, he was getting at me every day. But I think it, I think he would tell you that he appreciated because he learned a lot from me that year. And I knew when I left that, you know, he was going to be something special. For sure. In our timeout session today, we got – Reverend Dallas H. Wilson. In your transition from New York to South Carolina, what was that embryo vision? And, and how, did that, how did that occur? Did it happen when you got here in, in, in South Carolina? Or what happened prior to you leaving New York? No, what happened to me prior to leaving New York, um, a vision is really interesting. Again, biblically, let me share with that first and understanding where I'm coming from. Uh, Habakkuk 2 talks about the vision, and you have to write the vision plainly so that people can read the vision and run with the vision. It's not just you having a vision and being able to articulate it verbally, and the vision dies in the air, but it's to be able to write the vision down where people can look at it for eons, decades to come in the future, and be able to replicate those same things. Uh, I want to be able to say, in all honesty, I wish that it was an original idea. Uh, of me writing the vision for Midnight Basketball, of me writing the vision for our leadership camps, or some of the other things that we did when no one else in this town was doing anything like that. Now let's get back to the interview. You know, going into your, your senior year, coming out of your senior year, like, I know you mentioned the five-star basketball camps, like, you said they put you on the map. What what did you do to? I mean, without your talent, because again, it's hard to it's hard to get notarized, you know, yeah. in this yeah. area back then. So so for the audience, what was a crucial point that kind of got you inked in to start getting some looks? Was it the five star basketball camps? Was it the, it was. the travel it was, ball? Was it, what, it which was it? It was it was five star. Um, and I was going up against the Michael Lloyds and some of these kids, and I was holding my own at five-star. And I was an unknown. You know, all these guys came from big Simon Gratz and all those programs. from right. And they like, you know, first of all, they was like, where is South Carolina and where is Irmo? Like, nobody right. knew nothing about it. But we knew that I had to go, you know, my pops would always say, if you want to prove yourself, you're going to have to go. We're going to have to pay some money, For put sure. you in a camp. 
and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put it on. For sure. So I went to the camps and I went at them and I left the camp like everybody was like, okay, this kid in, in South Carolina is gonna be gonna be legit. Then going into my junior year, we go to the state championship game and we play James Island. And you, I think you talked to um, Chucky Robinson. Chucky. Yeah. yeah, Chucky was on that James Island team right. with Jackie Simmons. They had mm. us down by mm. 20 at halftime. They, mm. was, they was up in us. But we end up coming back and winning it. You know, I made two free throws with like three seconds left to win the game. You know, uh, Chucky tried to draw a charge on me. He got called for a block. I made two free throws. We went. Mm-hmm. But uh, Huggins – you, the University of Cincinnati coach at the time was there seeing, I don't know if you remember Big John Smith that played at AC Floor. Yep, yep. They, they was there seeing guys for AC Floor. They came to the state championship game and saw me, and I put in I put in like 26 in the second half on James <laughs> Island. And at that point, when Huggins started recruiting me, it just – it was an onslaught at that point. Yeah, it was just a snowball. But five-star really put me on. And AAU. I can't I – can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't – Talk about AAU. AAU was different back in the day when we came up. It was you know, the best you know, of the best back then. It was the best. Of, and and that's what – that's how you measured yourself. You know, right. if you weren't good enough, you didn't make an AAU team. I mean, it was just that simple. Right. You know, now everybody can – you know, you got enough money, you can get an AAU team together and kind of play and do what you got to do. Right. But back then, you know, you like Buzz and all selected. those guys. It was, it was selected. selected. Right. You had to try out. Right. And so, you, you know, and, 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 and you said something crucial about – that support system, man, because like my brother, you know, he played in the NFL. He went to Auburn from Wando, Jamil president. And yeah, yeah, my I dad, mean, my dad, you, you know, you heard of him? Oh, uh, of course. You know, I'm Alabama. You know, I know all, all Auburn so, football players. So, so, <laughs> so, so my dad, you know, he took him to all these camps, always in pushing these camps, but he invested a pretty, a pretty penny yeah, into that because yeah, that's what yeah. it takes. Yeah. And these athletes don't understand you got to invest in yourself. I talk about mm-hmm. the bag of rice all the time. And now it's me to my next question. My bag of rice is like, you got a $6 bag of rice. That $6 bag of rice is not going to sell in Piggy Wiggly. It's going to sell in Whole Foods. That $2 bag of rice is going to sell in Piggy Wiggly, but it's not going to even be offered in Whole Foods. That's so right. as a player, how do you value yourself as, as, as your value? Because if you a $2 bag of rice, you shouldn't be trying to go to Wake Forest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk about the times when you first find out your value and then what what led to your decision making? Were were you informed enough to 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 make a decision based on Alabama needed a shooter, needed XYZ, or did you like the school? Because that's what I'm trying to get with, with, with kids on on making decisions, not because you like a school, but is that school a good fit for you? Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I went to Alabama because I thought it was the best decision for me as a basketball player gotcha. in order to, to for my value um, and to, to shine in a system that I thought was best for me. Right. What was interesting, you know, because I got recruited by everybody. I mean, UConn and, you know, and, and from Virginia, everybody, you know. Right. Um, but I felt like Alabama was the best system for me. And I, you know, I, I was fortunate to have a father that, you know, really invested in, in researching and, and, and putting out the right questions to recruiters. So I was fortunate in, in, in that respect. But, um, you know, I hit a curveball, though, before I even went to Alabama, because, you know, I was recruited by Wimp Sanderson. And he ended up mm. leaving. Yeah, he ended up leaving. And we had a new coach in that ran a complete different system, different mm. – because I was a scorer. You know, I wasn't a 
I was a scorer coming out of high school. That's what I did best. I shot it, you know, and created. That's what I did sure. best. And this coach, you know, that wasn't his philosophy. So, sure. you know, I'm sure we can get into that a little later. But, sure. but you know, I knew my value coming out, but I had parents that invested in my value, told me what my value was, and and we looked for that in the particular schools that we would go and visit. So, you know, I was fortunate in that respect. But but you do have a lot of kids who think that they're better than what they are these days. And you have a lot of parents who tell them that they're better than what they are. Um, and it's hard to get, you know, the reality now because everybody can participate. And I know I shouldn't say that that's a bad thing, but no, sometimes, no, no. It's, sometimes it's good not to make a squad. Sometimes right. it's good to, to, to play against people that are better than you and be told that you need to work. Right. And I think some of these kids these days, you know, they don't get that like we used to get it back in the day. Because if you weren't good enough, you just didn't make it. Period. Period. Yeah, there ain't period. no socialism in sports. It's all socialism in sports right now. It is. It is. And, and so that's, you know, one of my topics, and I'm trying to get kids to the next level, is, is first of all, you got to identify, if you want to go to school, you want to go to school where your position is a junior or senior. So when you get there, right. he's a senior or he's gone. Right. Secondly, what's the coach's um, style of play? Does it fit your style of play? Yeah. What's the coach's contract issue? Did he, if, did he just get there? If he just got there with a winning mm -hmm. record, he's probably going to be there throughout your tenure. Yeah. If he's yeah. been there five to six years with a low winning record, yeah. chances yeah. are not going to be there. Right. He ain't going to be there. Does that school offer your, 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 your studies, something that you're interested in after college? Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are a lot of things that kids are not putting together. To, and the and, reason why they, they fall short to you once they get into a school. And, 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 you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up from an academic standpoint. Like, that was probably a place that I faltered in because I came out of high school top 25 in the nation. My thought was I'm going to college to get to the league. I mean, period, point blank. School mm. was secondary. Let's, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just real with it. Right. And, right. and we don't do a good enough job of using the system the way the system uses us. I agree. You know, and we need to go in with the mindset that we probably aren't going to make money playing basketball. Very few of us do. I mean, if we do, we never make enough money that is generational to where we can oh. never work again. Sure. So we have to be smarter about being able to use the system the way that it uses us. But, you know, from a basketball standpoint, I did look at it that way. You know, they had a guard at Alabama that was a senior when I was coming as a freshman, I thought I could beat him out as a freshman. You know, I ended up beating him out. He ended up leaving the team. We're, you know, best of friends today. But, sure. but um, you know, that's why I went there because I knew I could come in as a freshman and ball and play and, and put myself on the map and try to go make some money. But, you know, it didn't necessarily happen that way. But that's why I went to University of Alabama. For sure. Why was Day attractive to me? It was attractive to me because it was an opportunity for my son, really. I'm interested in it for two sons. Right now we have one that's um, on the team to show I was willing to make a big commitment in him and his passion. And when I can make a commitment in him, he knows to step up for the family. So we laugh. Um, I keep telling Jamel, we're not here for the college scholarship. We're not here for pro. I'm here for laundry. I wanted my son to do some more laundry. I wanted him to do his chores. And he knows that if he helps out around the house, he gets some great things. So showing this commitment and time and energy 
to a high level team has been motivation. And uh, as we speak, he is home folding the laundry. So, Raising a student athlete is just as important as being one. So some of your big wins, like, you know, what, what are some of your, your big wins, man? Like you could be like, well, well, I'll tell you one of mine. North Carolina was number three in the country. Yeah, I remember that. And we went to North Carolina yeah. in the uh, Food Lion Classic. Yeah, we'll I remember about, that. We'll tell you stuff about BJ. You know, Melvin, <laughs> Melvin Watson, you know, we're, we're boys, right? So, you know, Melvin and BJ was go at it just because that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. So I told Mel, you know what? We're going to play them, and I'm going to go at BJ for you, right? So Coach Cress is, man, his, like, his system is so so dominant, but it is so crazy. Yeah, I, I love watching felt, y'all play, man. I guess he felt I didn't need to start that game. That's, you know, from game to game, he's just like that. Anyway, he didn't start me that game, and I was told, I was kind of upset. Yeah. So time I got in the game, BJ was already hot. Like, he was already going. Wow. And, um, never forget it. He came down, made a move, and turned, got me in the lane, boom, boom, turned around, and said, I told you too little. <laughs> listen, that boy can talk now. Bob, listen, I was 38 hot. Like, <laughs> he had took me out of the game. Because, I, I, I mean, I couldn't manage at that point. Yeah, anyway, you, you, he, he, he was in your head at that point. He, he got he, you. He's got, he got me. But anyway, we, we beat North Carolina next, the next, um, next night. Danny Johnson uh-huh. had been and won the game. So, that's what I would say kind of my, my, my best game. What, what would you got to say if, what is yours? You know, I had quite a few, but probably the biggest one for me is that Arkansas team. And uh, Can um, we read the, them? No, this was, this was the year after they won the national title with Big, with big Nasty, Corliss, Scotty Thurman, Corey Beck, oh. all them boys. Yeah. They yeah. had just had the arena built, the new Bud Walton Arena. They just came off the national title. Nobody had beat them in the new arena. We was there on a Thursday night game, um, ESPN. You know, the, 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 I mean, the t- Super Tuesday on ESPN, right. Bud Walton Arena, 25,000, so loud that you couldn't even hear your coach and your ears busting. You know that feeling like. Yeah. And it's just I get, I get goosebumps right now. You're talking about it. Go ahead. You know, but it was, it was, it was man on man, like, grown man basketball and we went in there and beat Arkansas by 20 but yeah we went but see that year that was my junior year we had some dogs on that team man I mean you know from McDice to Jason Caffey Jamal Faulkner was on that team Eric Washington that played with the Nugget man we had some dogs on that team Right. And we went in there and, and and put work on Arkansas that was a big big win and you know a lot of people had us undercover, you know, making some noise that year because we just had so much talent. Right. But that that probably stuck out to me as one of the biggest wins that we had at Alabama because uh, right. everybody just, you know, Arkansas came out that title and they had so many good players too. And Coach right. Nolan Richardson with them cowboy boots, you know. Right. So so that was a big win for us. You mentioned something early in our, and before you started talking about, you know, sometimes you got to look at some some of the things that don't necessarily go your way. You know, and you can learn from those as well. So, you, you mentioned that the coach that recruited you left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, put you in a a tough situation. Have to learn and understand new system. What you what did you learn in that in that aspect of it from that situation and dealing with a 
because I know it, was, it had to been ad- adversity between you and the coach at times. It, it, Everybody it was. What did you learn from that, and how did you get? How did you deal with that? You know, it was hard for me. You know, in the beginning, I I was I was not going to go. I was going to, you know, Coach Huggins was like, we gonna we'll still take you at Cincinnati. I had other schools calling once they found out. And my mother was like, you need to honor your commitment. You need to go to the school that you said you were going to go to. And I wasn't real happy about it. I'll be honest. And, you know, right. when I went in there and, you know, his system was completely different. He was very defensive oriented. You know, he believed in the big man, didn't let his guards go. You know, I felt like I was more of a distributor, you know, setting guys up than really utilizing my skills. But I learned that I could be effective in different ways. You know, I learned to become a better defender. Um, and you know, adversity made me realize that there were different aspects of my game that I needed to work on that Mm. in order for me to play for this coach, you know, I was here, um, this is what I'm going to be doing. So I need to make the best of it and utilize it the best that I can to get to where I want to be. So it really made me focus on parts of my game that I really lacked in, which was defensively, um, you know, maybe from a leadership standpoint, because I've all was always more of a mild man or kind of calm guy. You know, I wasn't a very vocal leader, and that team needed a vocal leader, so I learned how to become more vocal. Um, so, you know, it was, a, it was a blessing in disguise because it, it allowed me to gain some different attributes, attributes about myself that I didn't know that I had. So, you know, it's all about persevering and, and dealing with the cards that you had dealt and figuring out how to win with those. And, and, you know, we did. I had a pretty good career at Alabama. We won a lot of big games, played with a lot of great players. So, you know. I'm not going to complain about it too much. <clears throat> For sure. And, and I know, we, we, you know, we all want to play at the next level. And like you said, yeah. those things have happened for a lot of us extensively. Yeah. So looking back at it, you know, what were some things that you did to, to obtain trying to get to the next level? Did it, you know, reaching out to an agent with different tryouts? Take us, yeah. take us through those things just so, so the audience can know because – let me tell you, bro, like I talk I talk to athletes all the time and they're just thinking like I just I'm I'm big time now. I just go here, put up numbers, and then they think it's just a it's the some of the best talent don't make to the next level. It had no. nothing to do with talent. Most of the time agents no. agents get two for one deals and it's all a numbers yeah. game. Nothing it is. To it's a number most of the times. It, it it does. It is a numbers game. And and I, you know, one thing that I learned um is is about timing as well. Like sure. if, if the timing is off and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, you know, things won't happen. You know, I got some, I, I got some, I got some looks. I went to Miami heat camp. Um, you know, I went to some different places and, and the thing that really bothered me the most about, you know, trying out for an NBA team is because I knew I was good enough to make a team. Um, but my college career from a scoring standpoint and some of the things that happened in, in college didn't warrant mm. that, you know, it didn't follow me into these NBA camps because, you know, I was playing guys that to be quite frank, you know, I was let loose when I went into NBA camps and I was giving people the business. Like I felt like I was back in high school again, For sure. but you know, you go, I went to a Miami heat camp that still had Tim Hardaway there that had John Crotty that had all these veterans in the guard position and the agent that I had, you know, why would you put me in a camp where, you know, I couldn't make that, I couldn't make that roster. Right. And, and that was about, you know, having the knowledge about hiring guys or putting guys in your camp that have your best interests at heart, not just using you. I, I was just a number to him. You mm-hmm. know, it was just a number to kind of put on his resume to guys that he represents, not somebody that really worked for me or, or had my best interest in making a team. So, 
you know, you become dejected when, when stuff like that happens because you put so much time and effort into basketball. You don't put a lot of time and effort into developing other parts of yourself from a, from an educational, social, what am I going to do with basketball don't work standpoint. All guys aren't like that, but, but I was, I didn't put much into much stock into anything beyond basketball. And when it doesn't work out, you know, you like, damn, Right. What, 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 what am I supposed to do? You know, well, where am I going to go? What, you know, and unfortunately college is a business, you know, some schools are different than others, but university of Alabama, I love, I, you know, I, my, some of my best friends to this day, but it was a business. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, we got your best interest at heart. When your four years was over, you better get in where you fit in. If you didn't right. get it done, if you can't get it done, oh, well, you know, right. and, and, and that's, that's the, the unfortunate part about it. In our timeout session today, we got Reverend Dallas H. Wilson. Success to us is finding the will of God for your life. That's success. Um, I see you as being, and I want to come back to our topic. I see you as being successful. And I see you as being successful because you had uh, the ability to listen, the ability to hear, and the ability to trust. You know, when we said something, you, you listened to. You didn't say, well, Brother Dallas, I don't want to do that. Not one time. I can say to this audience that listens to you every day, not one time did you ever say anything back to me that was negative. Not one time. And, and you stayed around me very close. You listened very carefully. Uh, you always had the ball game. The ball game, we couldn't give you that. We couldn't do anything with that. But we could put that ball game in a different sphere of influence. And that was very, very important. We had to do that academically. I wanted to say that before we... Now let's get back to the interview. And and so, you know, now athletes are getting paid. They got the rights to their name right now. And I, and I, I want to know your take on that. <clears throat> but first, I want to say, you know, you're... It, it, that... that time when you don't get a contract after college is mm-hmm. crucial because four years of high school I mean I didn't work when I was in high school no then four years of college you can't work because you're on scholarship yep so you're eight to ten years out of the job market yep right no experience no nope. um and like you said and most of the time I was still I say our because at the same time I, I had all the stock into playing at the next level too so yep. when I didn't get a contract my senior year that year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. you talk about crucial, bro. It's like, it was yeah. crucial for me. So now what I think athletes should get paid, I think whatever the stipend is totally, now I heard they're getting a $10,000 attendance, uh, whatever. But yeah. 50, 000, if it's 50000 30000 whatever it is, you give them 25000 as a freshman, right? Yeah. Then yeah. the 25000 when they graduate. Yep. I think that's because... Uh, Athletes need that type of support. I mean, we're, we're coming to the institution, making them money. And the other thing, too, before I let you go, was that they say, well, your trade-off is your education. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love when they say that. Don't let, me do- don't let me go to class then. Just, let me give-, just give me the grades and, and keep it moving. Because if I got to go and I got to study, I got to grind, I got to take a test, I'm earning that. And then yeah. guess what? Yeah. I got to make the same grade you had to make 
in less time because I'm traveling, yeah. I'm doing all, I'm playing. So, I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a catch twenty two in so much ways. It is, and, and 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 you know we know because we play major college sports, and 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 people who haven't played major college sports, that's always the first thing they say: we well, education is paid for. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, we pay for our education probably in two games of of a college basketball season. Our we we paid that scholarship back. So don't talk to me about the scholarship. Don't talk. You know, there's classes that we have to take during the year that we can't take because, you know, we're playing basketball and we got to take them in the summer. You get two weeks mm-hmm. off and basically it's a, it's a year round job. It's not, it, it's not a, you know, you, we don't have a traditional college experience in college. Right. We are employees of a university, make no mistake about it. And anybody who's playing major college sports knows that. I don't care on what level that you're on. And, you know, many people don't know that your scholarship is renewed year to year. year. You know, people don't know this about college. You know, a college coach can tell you he don't want you and you can be gone and trying to find something and he can bring somebody else in and take your spot and your scholarship. And he's making millions and he got a shoe deal. But, you know, I got guys on my team can't even buy a pizza. Like, like it's ridiculous. College players should get paid. Um, there's no doubt about that you're an employee of the university. Let's just take football that's going on right now with this pandemic. Like the whole idea of bringing students back to school was for this college football season to get that revenue, not for the safety of these young men. It was all about revenue, getting these kids back on school so they could have a season and make that money. Let's, let's, let's just be real about this. And they always want to throw this education piece back in your face, but, but, and which I, I, I don't, you know, I don't take it lightly, lightly, the educational piece, because that's where you have to learn to be smart enough to use the system. Exactly. But at 18 to 22 years old, most of us aren't smart enough to know that we being used. Right. So that's the that was the major thing for me is, you know, I didn't learn the game until later on in life. And then it's too late to kind of go back and do something about it. That's why it's so important for guys like us who've been there and kids that are going through this process to kind of tell them the pitfalls of this stuff, okay? It's all love when people love you and and, and you're the best thing ever, but when you're done with college and you're not hooping in the pros and you come back home and everybody asking you what happened and you asking them, well, you know anybody that's hiring? You know, can can you help me write a resume? And nobody nobody want to help you. It's the most humbling experience, man. man. And you know, I I tell jokes all the time that all the people I play with, you know, that that played at College Charleston, most of them were out of town, out of state, mm-hmm. out, of, out of the city. Yeah. So they yeah. could have stayed there, but without in Charleston, without having a contract, no one knows them. Yeah. I was from Charleston. Yep. People yeah. expected me to do XYZ and it didn't happen. Yeah. And guess what? That's why Mom, I'm riding on a bike. Yeah. I'm riding a bike through the city because I didn't I have a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this big star that's supposed to be making so much money, I'm riding a bike through the city. Man, tell me that's tell me that's not the most humbling thing ever. Like, and, and, and 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 the thing about it is, is like you know, people don't under see. We were we were just good enough to have that that thought that we could go make some money from this, right? You know, like if I would have went to college and and I rode the bench and never got no minutes, I would have been like, oh well, you know, I I better get, I better do what I got to do. Exactly. But I was just good enough. Started for four years you know, on the radar to think that I can make something of it. And that's a very dangerous place to be because, because you end up afterwards 
being like, damn, what happened? And you're trying to play catch up. And that's the worst thing, you know, that can really happen. But I look, I've been there and I got a lot of guys, a lot of guys that I play with, you know, they go through depression, you know, they, they, they go back home and, and are, are utterly embarrassed by the fact that they got to ask people for things and everybody used to look up for them. You know, I got a lot of people who go through that. You know, right. I went through a little bit about a depression because you go from being so, you know, acclaimed and everybody looking up to you, then you come back and everybody like, damn, why are you at home? What you it's doing? A, I mean, it's a rebuttal system. I had to develop a rebuttal system, bro. Like, you see them <laughs> in the store, right? You see them in the store, right? And, you know, hey, what's up? What's up, mom? What's up? So, what are you doing now? Yeah. Right? And right? I dealt with that. I dealt with that question so much. So, this, this is what I do, mom. <laughs> I see them coming, right? And I'd be like, hey, what's going on, man? What's going on? What you, what you doing now? <laughs> hey, hey, mom, I hit him with that question first. You hit him with it right? first. And then misery like company, right? Yeah. So, yeah. oh, man, I'm down there working. And then, like, you're doing worse than I am. Yeah. But you want to hear my misery because you, you saw me at a level. Exactly. At, at a certain time. So, exactly. you got smart with the game. I start asking them. Yeah. What you got going on? And guess what? Before they finish, I didn't walk off and did my thing. Yeah. I didn't yeah. entertain that. And then, it, but, but I didn't watch basketball for about oh three years, Mark. Dude, I, three years. I, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't talk. I hated. I hated, I hated everything about basketball. I hated it, man. And I it, see it, all these guys making money that I killed. That you like, killed. That you was killing. And they making money and you sitting at home trying to write a resume and trying to figure out like, <laughs> I'm being like, this is the stuff. And this is what I tell people. This is stuff that like most of us that, that who on some level can talk about. Cause we right. all been through it on some level. Like, you know, it's great. And, and now that I'm older, I can look back on this stuff and laugh about it yeah. and, and, and love the memories that I had. But when you, when I was going through it from about 24 to to about 30 or maybe even look maybe even man look yeah that stuff stays with you yeah and it's hard to let go of and it's hard to let go of like you know the way everybody sees you a certain way or saw you a certain way and you still see yourself that way but you're not really that person you know what i'm saying right that's all it's a hard reality man it's a hard reality and that's that's something that a lot of athletes go through it is my question is like, how do you deal with that? Like, what what do you do? Some 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 never get out of the rut. Some don't come back from that because their life expectation is that yeah. you gotta at some point you gotta swallow that pride, suppress that stuff, come to reality, and then still still move off the momentum. Now, don't get it wrong. You got twenty five percent of people out there that really still do love you. Yes, yes. They still respect you. They still yes. appreciate. But yep. here's here's the problem with that, Marv. I'm talking to Chucky. Who was I talking to? One of them. They're talking about, you know, Cedric Weber. Okay. His parents didn't want him to watch TV and doing things because of the religion that they had. Right, right, they didn't want right. to be exposed to the entertainment as we be right. entertainments, right? Right. So once I start getting smarter with the game, right, I'm, I call myself a student athlete activist. When people see me and the first thing they talk about is, hey, man, you still playing? Like, I want to just swing your neck. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Bro, you know I'm not playing ball anymore. <laughs> secondly, secondly, you should have enough respect to, to know what I'm doing right now and, and create a different conversation. But 
You do it because that's where you that where you still want to keep me at. Right. That's where you still you know want to keep me at. You know what I mean? That's where you want to keep me at. Yeah. So, but the 25% of people, I had to really stop and, and really fill it out. 25% is really coming from that place. Right. Level that they don't know nothing different. And they still feel for you at what you did for Right. You. Right. You're good. So it's right. a fine line, man. And if you're depressed, you don't know how to deal with that. You can really snap. You don't. And, and it's not really, you know, intended for that person to ask you that question. It will. I mean, I have friends, you you know, because I wasn't, I mean, I just got on Facebook. Like, you know, I, I, I have friends who literally back on Facebook said, I thought you was dead. Like nobody, you know, knew where you were. Nobody talked to you. And I said, man, you know, th- there's a lot of things that happened after basketball from, from a basketball standpoint, personal standpoint, that I just wasn't equipped to deal with. For sure. And, For sure. and losing some basketball was part of my identity. For I sure. mean, let's just be real. It was who I was, and I didn't know, you know, other parts of myself. I didn't, I didn't find out what I was good at until later in life when wow. I was forced to really start figuring it out. Because wow. basketball was my identity, and everybody that knew me, equated me to basketball and I equated myself to, you know, my worth was basketball. And once I lost that, and that's a, that's really a good thing that you said, 25% of people, I, I really started to find out who my true people were later on in life. Like, so let's sit around and talk about who, how good that stuff was. That's all well and good, but how you doing, man? Like right, for real, right, what, what, right, what, what you need, what can we do? Like right. that's, those were the real people that really kind of brought me back into saying, you know what? I should be proud of the stuff that I accomplished, not run from it and now develop everything else about me. You know, all the other things that it is that I want to do. So, and I wish guys would talk about that more because there's a lot of us out there. Yeah, that, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think they're not going to talk about it unless it's, unless they're propositioned. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, cause be honest, I don't mind talking about it, but I'm not going to just, just pick somebody and say, Hey, look, do you no, know what yeah. happened? Yeah, you know, true. It has true. to be engagement to where it's true. a shared feeling. You know yeah. what I mean? Because at some point, I dealt with it. It's over with. But at the same time, eh, I really don't want. I want to talk about. It. I still want to talk about the good things too. Because because yeah. yeah. if, if I had a friend that played in the NBA, or some of my friends that went overseas and like the Sid Webber, Danny Johnson, yeah. those guys, they, they went overseas and made a bunch of money, like. Mm-hmm. You know, they still have this conversation. I can't engage in them. I can't engage in them. You know, you know like I mean? like I talked to McDyne. So I talked to Jay Caffey. You know, he got two rings with the Bulls, and and Mac made you know hundreds of millions in his career. I can't I can't relate to it. I mean, I, you know, but <laughs> but but then they come to me and said, "Man, you should have been in the league." You know, that don't make me feel no better, man. I don't. Sure. <laughs> that don't make me feel better. But I appreciate it. But that don't make me feel better. But sure. you know, it's it's all gravy now, and, and you know, I look back on it and I take it as I have experiences that a lot of people don't have. I've gotten to meet a lot of people that people will never meet. I've traveled places people will never go. I've got lifetime friends, um, and I got a lot of people who do care. But you got to get older to kind of realize those things. But there is something, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, there is something that the new bill that the Senate, you know, that they're trying to put that are forcing colleges to have lifetime scholarships for athletes to Uh where, yeah, they wrote it in the bill to try to make this part of college scholarships to where guys at any point in time in their life can go back and finish Mm -hmm. their degree, which I think is a great thing. And I think it's going to help a lot of guys. Because, look, the majority of people that I played with had no business being in college. They was there 
they was there because they could hoop. I mean, you know that. Look. So, I mean. Some of them, I didn't know if they really could read. I, I'll yeah. be real honest with you, man. And, and y'all know who I'm talking about out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, they had a skill that got them to college. And, and, and you know, most schools, when you're done and you, ha- you can't do anything for them, they forget about you. I'm just, yeah, I, I, let's just be real about it. But I do like that they're trying to do that for college athletes because I think that will help a lot of guys. Um, you know, kind of go back as they get older and be like, okay, I need this. I need to refocus. I need to, you know, I think that's a good thing they're trying to do. So, so like, you know, you know, and almost getting to, you know, in the closing of our interview, you know, talk about life lessons that you learn through sports. Cause you know, being an athlete, you have to be detailed, yeah. being, being a great athlete. You have to have these characteristics of being detailed, understanding, being a decipher, you know, uh, foreseeability in the play, like all these things we transfer from the court into real life. What, what's, what's the overall philosophy that you, you know, obtain through sports and, you know, dealing with different uh, uh, relationships and coaches sure. that you say sure. that you can apply right now to help you into your, into your professional life? You know, the biggest thing that I've taken from sports is, is the, the, the discipline that I still have today. Um, you know, the not making excuses, you know, things are always going to be hard. You got to find a way to make it work for you. Um, and the detail of just my day to day, even, you know, I work in higher education now and I take pride in, in, you know, executing like our game plans is different than it used to be in, in basketball, but you know, in the business world, it's the same thing. You know, I take pride in having, getting things done. I take pride in collaborating the team and making people better. You know, I take pride in people being able to come to me and ask me things that they may not know to get them to where they want to be, you know, as a facilitator, because that's what I was as a guard. I facilitated things. So I found things in sports that have helped me, you know, kind of navigate professional life now, navigate relationships with people. Um, You know, sports teaches you to persevere no matter you know, no matter how much you're down by, no matter how much you're up by. And as a guard, you know, we were guards. We always maintained. We was always like this. Never sure. too high, never too low. You know, you were always just in that moment. So sports taught me how to just stay in the moment and to right. be present. And, and But the, the, the attention to detail and the ability to, to just work, like making no excuse, that's what I take most from sports. I love the I love the fact that I'm able to bounce back from adversity. You know, sports teaches you that. Um, and you get up, you brush it off, and be like, okay, get them on the next play, or you know, I get up the next day, work will be better today. You know what I mean? So, um, I love sports for that because it has taught me a lot of lessons, and it made me tough. I mean, let's just be real. Yeah. You know, life is tough, and I think the sports teaches you a level of toughness that you can you can put into your everyday life and, and to help you get through tough times. So I do appreciate sports for that. You know, adversity is a, is a, is a revolving word and <clears throat> something that's crucial that I want to get from, I want to hear you talk about it. Um, I think another thing that college athletes, athletes as a whole don't understand how to deal with adversity within teammates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dame McCravey played the point guard. Anthony Johnson played the two. Yeah. And, Anthony and I never had any problems. Shane and I never had really real problems, but at the same time, it was a lot, it was friction because we played the same position. Because you played the same position, right. So 
And then Coach Crest, like I, I say all the time, if this was a loose ball and on film, I had to get this loose ball because then right. when we go and try to make a decision, President got the loose ball. He got the loose ball. And right. she's my best my friend. I, I can't take your head off if you're my friend. I gotta get this ball. Right. But I I create a lot of tension, a lot of adverse situations because I didn't want to deal with you as you know, because but in, in life, when you're dealing with business partners, business relationships, you can't have that that same effect yeah. or same approach to to that. And that's what I learned when you talk about negative things. That's what I learned not to do now in my real life with business. So what were some of the adverse situations you ran into and how did you deal with them? Because I know you said, you know, some of some of the friends I played in college that I had those situations, we were best friends now, but yeah. we didn't know how to deal with those things as kids when we we're didn't. in that situation. You know, one of the best things that I learned and I, and I didn't mention that, that I still use today, like in basketball, because when we came together, we were all from a, different places, right? You know, New York and Texas and, and California, South Carolina, guys from all different, you know, parts of life. But, and you didn't like everybody you played with. I didn't like everybody I played with. Sure. I wasn't boys with everybody I played with. But between those lines, you figured it out. Right. You know, you respected each other. You, you had a healthy competition with each other. But at the end of the day, you were teammates. And when you walked off the lines, we might not kick it that tight, but I respect you because you came at me every day and we got one goal in common. Right. So, so, you know, I didn't have a lot of adversity in terms of, of teammates when I was going because my thought was is I'm not going to like everybody. Everybody's not going to like me, but people are going to respect me because I'm going to put the work in and you're going to see that mm. you can't question my work. Mm. Now, you might be able to question other stuff, but you can't question if Marvin Orange is out there working, playing hard, trying to lead. You ain't going to be able to question that. And I try to use that same philosophy in life now in terms of, you know, I may not like everyone I work with. We may not all get along, but I respect you trying to provide for your family. I respect that you come here every day and you grind and do what you got to do. And, and I'm going to respect you for that. And, and that's the way that I see it. Um, and I think sports, it taught me how to deal with, with personalities and relationships and understand that I, you don't have to like everybody to get along or to respect. But when you have one goal in mind, you find ways to kind of make it work. And, you know, especially being a point guard, which is mostly what I did, you know, you, you find those ways to bring different guys together to make them the best that they can be. And maybe sometimes at the detriment to your game, you know, because sure. I brought a lot of guys together when I knew I probably could have took that shot or I could have did this. But, you know, um, you know, but to the detriment of your game, you try to make guys better. So I try to use that philosophy every day now, too. And the takeaway from that audience is that no matter what situation you're in, you're in control. You yeah. know what I mean? You're in control. What he just said is that you dictate and you control that climate, you know what I'm saying? So nothing can affect you. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. 
Let's go. And finish together. Basically teaches the game of basketball. Focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. In, in, in closing, Mob, Oatman Recipe was something that Dave Foundation and Rick Barry, you know, uh, one of the 50 greatest is endorsed. I played for Rick Barry in the USBL and we became good friends. Oh, okay. I didn't know and, that. Yeah. And Oatman Recipe is skill development, education, and nutrition. Some of the things that I've learned throughout the years that helped me, you know, you know maintain and progress. And, and those three things can go through any sport and through whatever career you're in. Talk about what skill development is to you and how important it is um, in, in, through sport and in basketball. Well, I mean, you know, and in like, yes, yeah, skill development was important for me with basketball because I just wanted to be able to compete at a high level. So, you know, you had to work at your deficiencies and that's what I tried to do. I, I always could score pretty easily. I always was a natural shooter, but you know, from a, from a, you know, leadership standpoint and from a defensive standpoint, I struggled. So that was something that I knew that I had to kind of work at and, and, and spend time with. So, you know, as you move forward in life, you take those lessons and you just kind of manifest them into what your life entails now, whether it be business, whether it be relationships, everything is work and everything is developing skills that you may lack in whether it be communication, you know, whether it be empathy, whether it be listening skills, whatever the case may be, I think as men or as people, especially sometimes men, you know, we have a hard time with this uh, in recognizing our faults or our deficiencies. And I think one thing that sports does is it really puts on front street your deficiencies, especially when you got people who game plan against you and know you can't go left or no, you can't, you always go right to finish a jump shot, you know, and you got to work on those deficiencies. So I look at life the same way. Wow. You know, I take those deficiencies. I try to work at them, you know, not to say that I'm perfect because I'm far from it. I made a lot of mistakes and regret a lot of things that I've done, but I still wake up every day trying to think about the things that I can be better at. And sports taught me that. It taught me that there's always something that you need to work on to be better, and you're always striving to be the best, you know, version of yourself. For sure. And education is our second one. And education, when it comes to sports and when it comes to um, to life, you know, I, from from a sports standpoint, had I would if I were was more educated in in sports and in, in the game, I could extend my career. Here's why. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna say. How do you score 20 points a game? Well, I'll shoot a three or I'll do this, I'll do that. But what if you get denied the ball, right? Yeah. So right now, I have I figured out, I tell my clients, my players, <clears throat> you get two, two layups per quarter. Yeah. That's 16 points. Yeah. Right? And then you're four points from 20. When a 17, when a seven, uh, 17 fouls, 10 team fouls, you drive. You get to the line, you score the other two. But those two layups are going to cause you to play the passing lanes. That's what causes you to be more defensive minded. Yeah. Right? And, it, and yeah. your high percentage shots. Yeah. In life, you're talking about, like you said, we didn't figure it out until 10, 12 years after the fact. Yeah. yeah. Now we're using the education yeah. from the game we uh, yeah. obtained because we got it earlier, earlier yeah. years. Then it was a gap where we understand it. Now it's the finished part where we're applying it. Yeah. Talk about education, where, where, how, how do you look at it when it comes to sports and life? 
Well, you know, kind of what I said earlier, like, you know, <laughs> you're talking about the basketball part of it. I, what I wouldn't do to, to be a player in today's game because, because the game is so different. It's spaced. It's not as physical. And, and if you can find something that you're good at, whether it be a great jump shooter, a great slasher, you know, back in the day when we played, you had to be good at a lot of stuff to get minutes. You right. couldn't just specialize right. in one thing. Now you got guys that can play 10, 12 years just as shooters right. and be deficient on the defensive end. So, you know, I wish I was playing in today's game because it'd be a lot different. But, you know, from an educational standpoint, you know, basketball teaches you, you know, to, to improvise. It teaches you to be spontaneous. It teaches you to see steps ahead. And those are the educational pieces about basketball that you can equate to life. Because, you know, I, you know, I don't like to think of life, you know, I like to be present, but I like to think of the steps that are coming ahead that I need to be prepared for. And, you know, when you're young, you don't think about that. But as you get older, you start to think about things that are gonna, you know, kind of coming down the pipeline for you and you want to be prepared for. So basketball allowed me to, to think that way, to think steps ahead and to kind of play chess instead of playing check, especially as a point guard, you know that. You had to see things steps ahead and to be able to kind of see the game and visualize it before it actually happened. So that's helped me in the way that, you know, when I finally got to a point where I was ready to start dealing with life, you know, I realized that a lot of these skills and the educational pieces I learned in playing basketball really can translate into everyday life. And I started to learn how to utilize that. <clears throat> and last nutrition, you know, what I hate most is I go to these, these tournaments, these games, man, these kids, you know, they walk around with McDonald's bag, yeah. Skittles, soda, yeah. you know, talking to coach Grant, you know, when he talking about when he's going recruiting, looking for kids for fast Swiss muscles, fast, like yeah. sugar slows you down. It does. But again, anybody can go get an AAU program, put it together. But if you're going to do that, have some education about your program. So you're not, I mean, because if a college coach looking at your organization, you see kids doing it, they already know that they're not. Right. 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 You know, the biggest thing that I, kids need to, to learn habit. You know what I mean? Like, like when you practice, it, it, it becomes habit and it becomes something that just becomes part of your everyday, you know? So, so nutrition, sleeping, you know, I, I even tell guys, you know, the, the kind of music you listen to can enlighten you to an, to an extent, sure. you know, you want to, you want to diversify who you are, you know? Um, so it's important for these younger kids to start to, de to develop habits. And the biggest thing for kids that they need to realize, especially if they're trying to make this game, you got to be willing to do the thing that the other dude not willing to do. Because the one thing that I realized when I got to the college level, everybody was a McDonald's All-American, AUI, whatever. They was all whatever from, from where they're from. What is it that you're going to do to separate yourself from all the guys that are on the same level that you're on? If you don't have that work ethic or if you don't have it with, inside you to do something different, then you're just going to be like everybody else. And it's going to be just good enough or good enough to be there, but not to stand out and excel. And you gain those habits at, you know, 10, 12, you know, when you start to get those age, those are when those habits start to gain. If you like to work and you like to work out, it's going to stick with you throughout life. If you start making those habits, you start eating right, it's going to stick with you through life. So habits, habits, habits.
Well, big guy, man. You know, was uh, I love to you know do a, a part two with this because I got some more stuff we can talk about. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate your time, man. And you know, all we talk about is, is great knowledge for the for the community and the, for the kids to to get and just you know see see where you know our missteps were. You know what I mean? Yeah, and help yeah. redirect that energy yeah. and that know how on how to um to make the the best of being a student athlete. So I, I appreciate absolutely. your time. Sure. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you reaching out to me anytime you want. You you want some other guys on? We can have a forum. You just let me know, man. That's what's blow. That yeah. I'm gonna I'm, I'm follow you up with that right there. That's absolutely, man. That'll be can, awesome. That'll be awesome. We can talk about some real stuff. You know, everybody love to hear the stories and stuff, but you know, people yeah. need to hear about you know the ninety nine point nine percent of of college athletes that don't make. We can talk about some real stuff. That's I'm I'm I'm, I'm definitely call you up on that too, big guy. Right. We gonna we gonna make that happen. Sounds good, man. I appreciate your time, brother. It's good to see you and love what you're doing, man. I appreciate that, man. All right. Have a good one. Peace. All right, brother. That's our uh, segment um, interviewing our college collegiate athletes. Uh, coming up next on our premiere interview, we got um, Reverend Dallas Wilson, um, who was crucial for the men at basketball, crucial for um, putting a lot of a lot of kids out of com- out of this community into into schools um, that earn scholarships through men at basketball and traveling and and all those efforts from Agape Ministries. So um, we thank him for that. So tune in, listen to the stories from that, and um, hope you enjoy that as well. We'll be right back. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.